Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Mylily and Alona, two senior leaders and technology certified life coaches and life coaches for women in data. In this episode, we cover lots of ground, discuss perfectionism, my personal favorite, imposter syndrome, and how to get unstuck in your career. So grab out a pen and paper because there are tons of nuggets of good information in this episode and it's definitely one that you're going to be able to listen to over and over again. Mighty Alona, welcome to the Data Bites podcast. I'm so happy to be having a conversation with you because many of the members in Women in Data have had the opportunity to have a conversation with you as life coaches. And I feel like I don't get to have enough conversations. So what I'm excited for that, but what I'm excited to have this opportunity to share more of your story and dive into the benefits of life coaching and just the wisdom that both of you share in your coaching sessions. So thank you so much for making the time to come on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. Let's just start by having each of you share a little bit about your story, having both being someone who work in tech, but also are certified life coaches. I feel like it's a great combination to have. So we'd love to know how this unfolded for each of you. So Alona, do you want to start us off? Yeah. I mean, I guess I never anticipated becoming a life coach. I can, I can tell you, I, I started out as a civil engineer and then I moved to software engineering and then software engineering management. And so probably nowhere in that path do you think next stop life coach, but I burned out in a, in a, in a big way and had to take six months off or did take six months off, which was a great benefit from work. And about midway through that, exactly the three month part, because of, you know, this is how perfectionists act. I think I started freaking out a little bit about going back because if I went back, I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to burn out again. This has been great, but that will be miserable. What do I do? And my lifeline was finding a coach. And then out of that, I, it was just so good. And it was just, it was so much the missing thing. Like we always see at work, we have these like women's groups and they'll talk about topics and it feels like kind of like a, a group that gets together and commiserates, but then what are the actual solutions to move you forward? And the life coaching piece was the actual solution to move forward. And so I, that's why I decided to train as a coach. So that's kind of in a snippet, my story. Mightily, do you want to pick up from that? <laughs> yeah, I'll just pick up where you left. Uh, so actually, Ilona is my coach for everyone who is listening. She's been my coach who helped me come through burnout myself. And as you can see with us, you know, one of the common things we had was apart from being the diversity in tech, we were also sort of in this sort of phase in our lives where, you know, we, we take on, we take on a lot of responsibilities at work, at home, juggling them is hard. Um, but I think like one of the areas where I was starting to see myself, there was a point where I was reaching where I needed help. And really, I you understand that there's something you need help in when you're in burnout, but you're unable to articulate and understand exactly what is needed to come out of it. Um, and I really think it was a lot of stuck 
or you know beliefs I had held for a long time. One of them was that as a, around work-life balance, that it's going to be hard to achieve. You got to work super hard during the week, and then the weekend is where you, you know, try to get some water for balance. Operated under that belief for a long time in my life until I met Elona and started working on understanding that actually that belief was not serving me anymore. And, you know, sometimes it starts with some of those limited beliefs that you've held for a long time and a coach coming along and helping you say, hey, like, do you think this is like, you know, helping you let's look at things from a perspective starts there, you have the awareness, but, and then it starts to reprogram your, uh, you know, beliefs in a way that are serving you for who you want to be, who you want to become. And I think that's the journey. But it's, and then through this process, I got so edged with the possibilities. I started to seeing so many possibilities as I came out of burnout that I thought, wow, this work can help so many more people. And, you know, it, I really found a passion in that and then sort of went into life coaching myself to certify. And there I am. I'm, it's all about like giving back to the community and, you know, and continuing to be on that path yourself. So that's a little bit about my story. So I find it interesting that what got both of you into getting coaching yourself and then seeing the power of it, becoming coaches was burnout, right? Which is something that seems very much being talked about after we come out of the pandemic and particularly for women, Maitali, you mentioned this, right? You're usually balancing not only a lot of things at work, but take on a lot of that unpaid labor at home as well, whether we should or shouldn't somehow, you know, maybe it's a belief system that we have to let go of there. But what are the reasons you see people coming into life coaching for? I know both of you kind of came in for the burnout, but is are there common reasons people come into this space? And how do you know if you even need life coaching to begin with? Alone, well, I think... Like- Mightily, you said it. It's like the one clue is that you feel stuck, and you just like I don't know where to I don't know where to go. The other the other piece is sometimes you just get into the space of it's kind of like an echo chamber in your head, and it's not helping you, you know, to move forward. You can keep thinking the same things or looking things in the same way, and. And sometimes it's good to just talk to somebody else and see if there's another perspective that can open up. So if you, if you feel like that, like, especially if you're, you're in a space of a lot of rumination about like a job search for, for example, that could be a good time. What do you think, Miley? Yeah, I think that word stuck is really, um, you know, the, the place that you, you feel and we've all been there and you know continue to sometimes find ourselves in our sort of thought patterns so as to say we we continue to sort of have those thought patterns which seem like we are aware sometimes even the awareness is there but it's it's sort of what do i do with that how do i go from here and i think that's where i think the coach comes in and those manifest in terms of you know, sometimes it's our fear, like, you know, a lot of times it's just fear of failing. And it and you start to dig a little bit into that stuck, like, where, why am I stuck in? Where is that coming from? It comes to your, you know, 
self-worth and it can come to you know being very hard on yourself which happens a lot with we see with burnout people they are very hard or you feel sometimes you know you're victim of a circumstance you you feel you're not empowered or don't have that agency to change and the situation feels like it's too overpowering for you to figure out how do I get out of that situation and and so, and that's kind of where where the coaching piece really because the coach is going to help you look at that from different angles so i think that stuck to one stuck piece happens with the situation happens with circumstances that you find yourself in which can happen at work or life yeah i think yeah, it's not very much for Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, I think a lot of the people we see too are often we see people who are career transitioning. And we've both been in technology for a long time. So we probably remember the time that the like the data scientist role didn't exist. You couldn't go to school. You couldn't get trained for it. And I even remember when like my very reputable university had no computer science degree when I was getting my civil engineering degree. And so if you look over the longevity of this, these disciplines, like they are kind of recent, you know, professions to go on the books, so to speak. And so a lot of people are career switchers in them. A lot of people are self-trained in them. And so often if you come into it recently and you might think, oh, I'm changing my career. I see a lot of people who come into coaching. They tell me all the reasons why they can't be successful to do the thing they want to do. And one of the things we sometimes do is look at all the reasons why they actually are going to be successful because they discount like, you know, they'll tell me like, well, I'm career changing. I have a PhD and I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) You know, that comes out later. (laughs) I have all these credentials. I have these qualifications. I have all this ability. And it really doesn't matter what your degree or whatever it is, it matters how you approach problems and solve things. And so often we try to like kind of shift that internal narrative away from the, all the reasons why it won't work to looking and, and not discarding that evidence for why it's actually going to work. So this, I think this brings up a important topic, which is career transitions and particularly in tech. And you highlighted this just in the fact that there's always new tech innovations and advancements coming out that end up then creating whole new job, job families. I think, I feel like every month I hear a new job where it's like data thrown in front of it, you know, like data product manager or data journalist. Like now it's like the new thing is just put data in front of any previous existing job and you have like a new job title. And so this is something in tech that as you mature in it, you get used to kind of these transitions but for a lot of new people breaking into this field, there can be a lot of struggles in terms of feeling accepted or feeling a sense of belonging or knowing if you're going to make it. How, what do you see being the best way to deal with these transitions, particularly in a technical role? Yeah, yeah I think this is exactly kind of where we find ourselves in with our careers and our lives. And I I want to tell a little bit of story here. Whenever we are in this transitional phase of, you know, I'm maybe transitioning into a new role or I'm increasing my scope or to your point, I'm actually changing complete disciplines or 
I'm coming, taking time off from to take care of my kids and now I'm coming re-entering the workforce. These are all like very valid transitions. Uh, and the fun part of it is like, we've actually have a lot of practice with transitions, but we kind of forget it, you know, in, in the sense of the, what we did to get through the transitions and, and it often required a little bit rethinking, coming in with taking a bet on ourselves, you know, overcoming some of the sort of looking outside the situation and, you know, bringing clarity to what, what we want to learn and grow through this phase. So I often used to ask Elona and she used to tell me, show me evidence. What evidence do you have that you cannot do this? And I used to do and say, you know, like I said, I'm very lazy. And she's like, I don't think you're lazy. Like, show me evidence. And I'm like, and and it's so true because when you start to sort of look at that. So the, the tech piece is a little bit, I think, has that aspect of there is definitely the piece that we have to learn something new. But if you look at like, we are absolutely always learning. So the evidence is there that you can learn. Now it's about sometimes in the transitioning phase, you're often wanting to reach that destination or goal, but it's also important to kind of build that practice and mindset while you're going through it to have a little bit of fun, like take that challenge along versus knowing that you're gonna reach there. But that's kind of where coaching helps. Because once we reach the goal, we're like, okay, this is done. Now what's next? So I think like the practice is in between. And that's what life is. Life is happening in between. So that's where coaching helps, but and with, with the right tools. And there are tools that help you in the transition. So Elona. Yeah, well, I was just like building on what you were saying. I was just thinking about also the thing that can feel like a real struggle and maybe a little bit of an existential crisis sometimes is like the what do I want? And I think often we see this sometimes with women in technology at work even where, you know, they're kind of like fed this line of here's all the things you're supposed to do. Here's all the things you're supposed to want. And they might have been told this like growing up, going through school and going through school there, it's pretty good to set you on a path to tell you what's next, what's next, what's next. And then you get to work and like, what is it, you know, or you get later in your career and you're like, no, what is it really? I thought it was this, but it's not. And that's another good space to come into coaching and just open up that question of the exploration of what you personally, as an individual, living this one unique life that is yours to live for you, want for that life. And even that structuring of thinking that what you want is supposed to be informed by all these people around you, or like... I sometimes have that conversation with people of like, okay, so 50% of your life is for you and the other 50% is for, you know, say your parents. And when you give them the math, they're like, oh, wait, maybe that, that doesn't make sense, but why do I feel like it's still true? (laughs) You know, so the exploration of what do you want and the discovery path of it, that's another important thing I think that coaching helps to open up and takes the fear away of exploring that because you have someone there who's kind of like a safe partner, who's not judging you to help you figure that out for yourself. Yeah, I love this idea of exploration. I also love the idea of like providing evidence. I think maybe coaching and data science go should go in hand in hand, right? You know, we want show me the data that this exists or how, how this exists. And then just the idea of like being in the journey. But I know for me personally, like, 
being on the journey for reaching my goal, sometimes the things that come up are struggling with perfectionism, right? And when you're trying to achieve your goal, you can make mistakes. You should probably be making mistakes. And how do you accept yourself like in that process as you are and really deal with those perfectionistic tendencies so that you can really enjoy that journey that you were talking mightily about a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, it comes back to like, what do you make those mistakes mean? If those mistakes are evidence of your lack of self, of lack of worth, you know, then they're devastating if they occur. If the mistakes are just evidence that you discovered some new information and now you're learning and incorporating, like like we all did, if you think back at your five-year-old self and how good they were with algebra, you know, most of us weren't. <laughs> it was a series of mistakes along the way in math to get to algebra and beyond. Things you will do at work or things you will try are just the same. Uh, so opening it up, and that is the that's the whole point of that mindset book by Dr. Carol Dweck about the growth mindset. If you're in the fixed mindset, whatever happens, like your abilities are fixed and whatever happens just judges you as good or bad. If you're in the growth mindset, you welcome the learning that mistakes, failures, whatever bring you because they are on your path to where you're trying to go and they are necessary steps. Yeah. You know, I, and I think this is a great one that we all sort of you know especially being in careers like tech we are used to sort of taking up goals we are you know used to keeping a high bar quality matters so you know these are all amazing things we pick up as part of our work and you know incorporate them in our life but like as elona pointed out i really want to reiterate when you you take that to your self-worth and you say, okay, if, if I didn't do this, or this is how it's supposed to be only then. And, and I think like, that's the piece where it gets, starts to really take you like sort of in the direction of, you know, it, it's a little bit of concerning for your own health, you know? And, and so I think like the big part that we all know that actually the only way is progress is over perfection. So lots of, you know, amazing stuff that you can do in terms of, you know, I had like, I'll give you a really funny story. Like one of the things I used to struggle with perfection was my inbox. And I used to be like, gotta get to all the red emails and, you know, like really be on top of my inbox. And, and it was a really funny incident. And Ilona just asked me once, like, what if you just marked everything unread, red? And what if you just put everything in an archive? And what if you thought if this was just like, and I was like, yeah, what if this was just a search toolbox like it wasn't more than an inbox like and that perfectionism really held you but from you know and ultimately it doesn't matter like you know and then you just have to rethink your ideas really with perfectionism also you got to rethink what perfectionism means for you and what failure means for you and and there's a lot that can open up as you start to do that work in life and it's fun actually when you start to do that and you start to see the results it's, it's a practice i'm just loving this idea of an inbox being a search i'm like okay yeah definitely going and marking all mine as red archive <laughs> i'm doing that immediately after this conversation i feel it's fantastic 
we literally work on the inbox search features <laughs> in my team. So it literally is a search. And if it goes down, we have incidents. The other thing to think about email, though, is like emails coming from other humans. And so if you were, if you were so like consumed with people pleasing or worrying about what other people think of you, your inbox can be a really dangerous place mentally because you think it's a reflection of like all the other humans are thinking things about me, which, you know, again, unless they've told you, you know, it's really only your brain projecting stuff outwards. So that's why it is kind of powerful to just delete everything and see what really happens. And what actually generally happens is nobody says a word. Bringing the data science, you know, just for us who are geeks on data, it's really experimentation with yourself and your ideas when it comes to perfectionism also, like as, as you start to get unstuck, because some of these are small, wonderful experiments you can run. And then you see, actually, it didn't make any difference. And really, nobody cared. Honestly, if you if they cared about reaching you, they'll reach out to you anyways. So that email is really not the thing and and you know you really connection that alona made between people pleasing and we all suffer from that a little bit so that perfectionism actually helps you as you start to work through it 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 actually makes you really much more brings a lot more agency back and and starts to recorrect those patterns of people pleasing a little bit which which can really help you shine as a leader. Like that's kind of what happened with me. I I think I became a better leader as I started to do some of that work. Yeah. The other thing we hear a lot about in tech is imposter syndrome, right? So I can't help but think is, is our perfectionism leading us to imposter syndrome or is just this something that when you sign up to work in tech, you're also signed up for imposter syndrome badge along with it. What is it that's going on with imposter syndrome and working in tech? How do we get to this point today? That's a big topic. <laughs> um, so a few things I've learned along the way about imposter syndrome. It doesn't just show up in tech. It shows up, it shows up in humans. And it doesn't just show up in women, it shows up in all genders. I think there is potentially a link. So perfectionism, you know, there's kind of like research on positive perfectionism and that is makes me want to do this thing better, have higher quality. And so that's good. But there's a negative perfectionism of always striving, striving, striving for this ideal and then never letting yourself get there. Because if you think if you reach the ideal, you're going to like feel good. And so you get the degree or you get the job or you get the whatever the goal is and you get there and you're like, oh, I still don't feel good. So then you move that, you know, goal out into the future. And I think the way for me, I think it links up to imposter syndrome is the imposter syndrome is an inaccurate representation of what you think is really required. And therefore, it's similar to the perfectionist ideal of what is really required. And so... In both cases, I would just, this is easy to say, but, you know, this is where the work is to do it is just to discard and decide, no, you're not an imposter. You have the job. Good. You're not an imposter. That's the check. And then the perfectionism, don't do the perfect thing. Like do the, do the next thing. Use your your good judgment. You know, that's what you're basically paid for is to constantly accrue the next, the next step on the path. 
which sometimes is is the mistake step, but that's part of the steps <laughs> to get there. So I think that's kind of the link for me. I don't know, Maitali, what would you say about it? I think that resonates with me a lot. You know, one one thought that I always have with imposter syndrome is with that transition piece that we spoke about, because as we sort of, you know, are trying to get, you know, first we are trying to, let's say if I'm in a situation where I am trying to get a new job, so I'm in a transition and now I have doubt. That's the, that's the, I've doubt whether I'm going to be able to get that job. Are my skills right, etc. Then you go through all of that and you have all the evidence that you could do it and you get the job. Now you have the job. Now you have the doubt that whether I'm going to be good at it, whether I'm going to get, you know, validated from work for doing it. Can I become an expert? How do I show up when I'm in the learning phase? And then you sort of kind of get to that piece. And now you get like a promotion and now suddenly your scope changes and now you're like, how do I scale and can I do that next thing? So if you really look at that transition piece and the imposter, it, it you know, like Ilona said, it happens with every human. It happens. It's a very natural thing. But the biggest thing we do with life coaching, we say, doubt the doubt, not you don't doubt yourself and that's the work like you can doubt the doubt you can say okay there is doubt but the only way and like she said only way to get through the self-doubt is actually to do that thing that you doubt because that's the only way you can prove it wrong so again it kind of ties in that data science piece to it as well so you you got to try it prove the data and and keep going through that so I would say like nothing wrong with imposter, but it's like, do you want to indulge in it or do you want to like do something about it? And that's kind of where life coaching can help you accelerate not being in that stuck phase and move through that transition, help you accelerate and, and see how you can get through it. I was thinking about this analogy. I think I maybe we use this in, in coaching too when we were talking about like what do you want to pack in your lunch every day. And so imagine like you have this 10, 20 year career and every day you pack, I don't know, whatever your main meal is, is something you really hate, but you pack it along every day and you eat it. And for me, some of these beliefs are like I keep packing my lunch with stuff that I hate. But I think it's got to be there and I have to eat it. And we're like, hey, you get to pack your own lunch. Don't put that stuff in the lunchbox or, you know, like put the thing you like in there. And that alone would just, it kind of like sloughs off a big burden that this, this pressure that this, you know, these beliefs, these like, I am the imposter, you don't, don't pack that in your lunch today. Just even try for a week, try an experiment. Just don't pack I'm an imposter in your lunch for a week and see if you feel better or worse. And if you got fired or not, my guarantee is you probably feel better and you won't, you're not going to get fired. Yeah. Because I love this idea of all the experimentation and then even bring evidence. I mean, I think about yeah. how we say, oh, we're imposter. Okay, what evidence do you have of that? I mean, rarely have I ever heard anyone being told they're an imposter, right? We're, but so, we're so willing to pick it up and believe it, you know? We're so willing to say, oh, yeah, that's totally true. And you're like, what's the evidence? 
and then they start mm-hmm. telling you about all the degrees and all the, the capabilities and all the skills and everything. You're like, I'm still waiting for the evidence that you are, you know, committing some type of fraud here. Yes. Well, I think these are all great tips in terms of bringing evidence and getting curious and exploring. And I know just having this conversation with the two of you has given me inspiration and little tidbits to get unstuck in areas in my own life. So thank you. But before we wrap up today, you know, having been someone who has worked in tech for a number of years, I'm curious if there was one piece of advice that you could give to your younger self, whether 10, 15, 20 years ago, what would that piece of advice be? So I'll let either of you go first, whatever comes to mind. Uh, Okay. The thing I would give as my advice didn't exist when I started my career. So I can give myself (laughs) some slack for not knowing about it. It's really that mindset book. You know, when our, when our particular new CEO took over the company a few years back, we all got that book on our desks and I kind of discounted it, but I swear I've read that thing six or seven times or audibled it that many times and it's where it's at. So mindset, read it and then that's a good path. And just for our audience, um, who's the author of that book? The title is just called Mindset, correct? Mindset. And then there's a subtitle that I don't remember, but it's Dr. Carol Dweck. And I think she's at Stanford, maybe. I don't remember her discipline. Psychology, maybe. You know, really, it's there's so many things I would, I'm open to telling my younger self, but The biggest one is, I would say, you know, I, it's, it's a very simple one, but I, I, I wish I could tell her more to be, you know, practice more compassion with one, one own self, you know, not with others, but with yourself. And, and since I've unlocked that idea in my life, I, I think that's the journey because we're so hard on ourselves and. Uh, we need to be on our own team, you know, so really be on your own team, be like the number one player on your own team. And and like, I think like it's in, in, in all the ways that, so I think, yeah, that's, that's sort of what I would tell her more. And I'm glad for all the, you know, ways in which I was not on my team to learn that lesson, but I, having learned it, you know, having gone through burnout and learned that piece, I think it's, it's worth it to stick to it. So I'm, I'm sticking to that one. I love it. Well, both amazing pieces of advice. I think that's a perfect place for us to wrap up today. So I just want to say a big thank you for taking the time to come on the show and would like to say thank you for all the coaching that you've done in Women in Data. I encourage people, if you're ready to get unstuck, it's time to get some coaching and really excited to have this conversation and and share with the rest of our audience. So mightily Alona, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And a big thank you to all of our listeners. Remember to stay curious and keep learning and we will catch you next time.
If you enjoyed today's conversation on the Data Bytes podcast, we welcome you to continue the conversation and join our global community by becoming a member at womenindata.org.